in your face. Gabrielle DeVitchfink, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. What's happening with your campaign for a rent freeze in Victoria? Well, we've tried to ask nicely. Over this last year, we've written letters, we've asked questions in Parliament, we've had a massive petition of 6,000 renters signed. Um, We've put up bills for a rent freeze and for short-stay regulation, but rents are still going up and renters are still struggling to keep their head above water. So on Saturday, tomorrow... Renters are coming together on the corner of Smith Smith Street and Gertrude Street for a massive rally to show the government that they're not going to settle for crumbs and that they're really struggling. What is the government offering? Well, nothing much, really. I mean, they've tinkered around the edges in their, you know, housing statement that was long awaited and supposed to be the solution to everything. But they've, they're, they're doing some minor changes to the Residential Tenancies Act. But really, in essence, what they've decided to do is demolish all 44 of our remaining public housing towers, which is going to displace over 10,000 people over the next couple of decades. It's going to see nothing for the public housing waiting list. I mean, there's people who are going to be stuck in limbo for decades and it's going to put pressure on the entire housing system. And so renters, both private and public, are absolutely tearing their hair out because they know the situation right now is dire And the state government's plan is only going to make things worse. So there's a real need for renters to come together right now and to show the government that we are a growing, powerful force um, and that we won't settle for crumbs, that that, that they need stronger regulation, that we need rent controls right now to stop greedy landlords from just jacking up the rent by however much they like. I'm glad you mentioned greed because I was kind of horrified when I heard they were going to knock down the towers and replace them with a mix of social and private. And I thought there's going to be a a net loss of public housing in the state. Yeah, so the plan is basically there's 44 remaining public housing towers across the state. The plan is to demolish every single one of them, to sell off the land to private developers, to um, replace the public housing with social housing, which is, you know, basically community housing association housing. It's not public housing. It doesn't have the same kind of rent controls and safety nets that public housing has. It's more expensive. It's more expensive. And, and, you know, you just don't have the same kind of oversight and protections that you do in public housing. And the rest of 95% of what will be rebuilt on that land of the additional stock will be private market rate housing. So they're going to be, you know, building over the basketball courts and the green space that both public housing residents and the broader community have have enjoyed for so long but 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 the worst thing about it is that basically this is going to be the end of public housing well, in Well, it destroys Victoria. community, doesn't it? I mean, there's been people who have lived there for decades. There's all that community infrastructure. Yeah. And that will be that will be changed and in some instances destroyed. Yeah. And unlike the government, we've actually sat down and met with public housing residents to understand how they feel about this. Uh, and they are absolutely distraught. Not only that their homes are going to be torn down, they found out on the same the same day that everyone else found out about this. So the government didn't consult. They didn't consult at all. They're distraught that their homes are going to be torn down, but they're mostly distraught about their communities being torn apart because we know from when the government has done this in the past and they've done it in North Melbourne, they've done it in um, at Walker Street in, in Northcote. If you go past that site right now, five years ago, public housing tenants were evicted. Right now, it's a, uh, it's a graveyard. It's just a flat uh, wasteland with a showroom 
by a private developer in the middle advertising to private purchasers what they can get on this what was public housing land before. So we know and the public housing residents who are evicted from those um, properties, they get scattered hours and hours out from their community. They lose their connections with their schools, with their work, with their local community. Um, there's no real sense of, of retaining the important connections that they've had. They just can't because they're, because they're being relocated by a government that just doesn't care, that's only looking at the value of the land and that, and that believes that that land should be in the hands of wealthy property developers and not in public housing residents. And there's that theme of privatisation, which kind of taps into the soaring rents because, of course, you know, the private market needs to be regulated more. That's why you're calling for those, you know, those rent caps and a rent freeze because you can't really trust the private sector to kind of, you know, do that themselves. And yet we know who wrote this plan. We know that the people who wrote Labor's housing statement were the property developers and property investors. And Dan Andrews stood side by side with the Property Council when he made this announcement to the media about their plan to demolish the 44 public housing towers and their plan to do absolutely nothing for renters. Um, And so we know that they're in the pockets of these property, of the property class essentially. Um, And that's because, you know, they they want to hold on to power at all cost. They are thinking about uh, funding their next election campaign. Um, and what we need to do as a collective of, of renters and public housing residents um, and people who give a shit is show them that the power of renters and the power of this movement is stronger than the pull of their next election campaign funding. We need to we need to show them the impact of their decisions is going to be um, more detrimental than the loss of their, um, you know, cosy relationship with their property developer mates. I mean, they've dug themselves a bit of a hole, haven't they? Because on the one hand, they're kind of, you know, bringing in all of these migrant workers to, you know, feed this, you know, greedy economy that we have. But on the other hand, they don't really have the coffers in the, the funds in the coffers to kind of, you know, fund the infrastructure that's needed to support that. Well, they're absolutely pulling the rug out from underneath the feet of renters. And, you know, they they are turning a blind eye to the fact that one third of Victorians rent. That number is growing as less and less people can even contemplate ever owning their own home. And more and more people are, are perpetually renting. That number is going to grow. And People are going to be facing housing stress and homelessness in bigger and bigger numbers. They can't ignore this for much longer. What's your electorate telling you? Because you've got a huge number of renters in your electorate. Yeah. Well, we um, have heard, we hear from renters every single day. And, you know, we know on the stats, rents are going up by around 18% a year at the moment. But that's an average. So if you think about it, to get that average, we've got people who are getting rent rises of 30, 40, 50%. How are people supposed to deal with that? We've got people coming to us saying that there's absolutely no way that they can absorb that kind of cost, but then they're terrified about going out and looking for another place because they know that there is hardly anywhere that's affordable. I mean, the Anglicare report showed that there are zero properties in Victoria that are considered affordable for a single parent on job seeker payments. Zero. We need to make sure that everyone has a safe and affordable home 
And the private market has absolutely failed us. The government is in denial about their role in regulating the private market and their role in building public housing. It's abundantly clear what needs to happen to be able to make sure that people have a safe and secure home. People are telling us in my electorate also about substandard properties like mould, damp, we heard someone to the rental crisis inquiry that, that we established in Parliament tell us about waking up and her clothes in her wardrobe were wet because the humidity and damp, rising damp in her in her apartment was so, so bad. Um, Duna covers going mouldy sitting on the bed. Some of the standards that people are being forced to live in because that's all that they can afford are absolutely horrendous. And we have minimum standards in our legislation right now, but we have a government unwilling to enforce even the standards that we've got right now. And they're patting themselves on the back. Why are they refusing to enforce their own regulations? Because the voice of the property class is so strong and they are, you know, they are hearing from uh, landlords and property investors and property developers. Um, They're talking about how um, it will basically, there's this really um, kind of persistent argument about investor flight. You know, if you put, uh, if you put, standards on rental properties or if you uh, regulate how much, you know, if you make unlimited rent increases illegal, well, you know, property investors are just going to leave the market in droves and they leave the argument there. But anyone, you know, anyone with half a mind is going to realise that if an investor doesn't buy, and mostly we see investors buying existing homes, the the vast majority of, of property investors don't, don't, pay for new homes to be built, they buy up existing homes. If you take investors out of that equation, you've suddenly got owner-occupiers who are at a much better position to be able to actually purchase their own properties, and that takes pressure off the rental market. Properties don't just disappear because investors don't want to buy them anymore. It, It it's just an illogical argument that if an investor doesn't buy a property, that that's actually going to um, hurt renters in the end. I mean, the scenarios you're describing basically are leading to mass homelessness, really. If people can't afford rent and they're on, say, fixed incomes on the DSP or on, you know, job seeker, whatever, you know, that's going to result in uh, massive homelessness and huge social problems where people aren't going to want to invest in areas because of all the poverty. Absolutely. I mean, right now we've got 82% of renters across Australia experiencing housing stress. That is, they're paying more than 30% of their income on their housing. And you see some of the people that we've heard from paying up to 90% of their yeah, income people on, on the housing. DSP. Yeah. I mean, you know, say if your rent is, you know, $750 a fortnight on the DSP, that's almost all of it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And we know that, you know, people who are um, – people who are – existing at other intersectionalities are experiencing the rental crisis like disproportionately as well you know whether it's people from the lgbtiqa plus community people with a disability um people who are you know uh first nations people um people from migrant backgrounds the impact of the housing crisis on people who have other um, marginalizations are is just astronomical um and we have to do something to ensure People have a safe, affordable, secure place to call home. It is just a basic thing that we have to get right. And 
I don't think anyone would disagree that basic housing is a human right, and yet this government won't even put that in writing. I mean, you know, the state government released a a housing action plan, I think about five or six years ago, when all those people in the CBD were being turfed turfed out who were homeless. Um, And it just seems to me that no investment that a government ever makes is, is enough. It's just a drop in the bucket. Well, that's right. They just seem to be tinkering around the edges with every move they make. And it seems that um, they take it as an opportunity to cut red tape for developers, to give them further concessions, to give them further tax breaks. Um, And it just doesn't work. And it's almost like they're just creating these measures to tide them over to the next election, making these big announcements. And actually, what we need to see is rent control to stop unlimited rent rises and a huge investment in public housing. That has been proven across the world to be the two main factors that that have led to a secure housing landscape. Um, and right now we've got two bills that are that are in front of us that are part of the government's housing statement. One is a tax bill, which which has lots of different changes, but it's part of their housing statement. And the next one um, is coming up next year. And we've told the government we are not in a position to support any of their housing plan until they come to the table on rent controls and public housing. And they stop their absolutely illogical and callous plan to destroy almost 7,000 public homes in the middle of a housing crisis. So how's that going to play out politically in the upper house? I mean, you guys basically are part of a fairly significant crossbench for the government to get its legislation through. Are the Liberals going to back those two bills? Like, what's your reading of the political tea leaves? Well, look, we, we've yet to see what the Liberals are doing, but it would surprise me if they supported a tax bill. <laughs> um, and so that puts the Greens in a position where um, we have a very strong negotiating um, position with the government to um, get them to come to the table on some of the things that we know will fix the housing crisis. Um, And we know we've seen at a federal level these kinds of negotiations where the Greens also have the balance of power in the upper house led to $3 billion of investment in public and community housing because they held off on the the big housing bill um, and they negotiated hard with their position in the upper house. So if the government's listening and they say, all right, what's it going to take for the Greens to support those bills? What would you what would you say? We've said very clearly we want to see rent controls. So the Greens are pushing for a two-year rent freeze to give wages the chance to catch up with the cost of rents. That means rents can't go up over that time. Landlords can still gather the current rent that they've got, but rents won't go up during that time. And then a permanent cap on rent increases of 2% every 24 months. That's what we're pushing for, but we're willing to negotiate on the details of what that rent control looks like. And we also want the government to halt the wholesale demolition of public housing across Victoria and instead fix existing public housing and build more. We've got a property um, that's a state-owned piece of land about 800 metres away from this recording station. It's the Gasworks site. It's at the top of Smith Street. It's 3.9 hectares of state government-owned land. There is um, There was a plan, thanks to the local community, 
um, and the government announced it before the last election and the election beforehand of 20% public, social and affordable housing on that land. They have now walked back that plan. The entire site will be private market rate apartments. Now, that is absolutely disgusting that they have a vacant site. They've bought up bits of that at public at taxpayers' expense. They've decontaminated the land over many, many years at taxpayers' expense and they're planning on selling that off to private developers in the middle of a housing crisis. So it's the perfect location for a public housing estate. And the local community is screaming out for public housing on public land. All right, so you're saying to the government, we won't support those bills unless you put a freeze on rents and you um, scrap the policy to sell off all of the towers. That's right. That's okay. that's it in a nutshell. What are they saying? Because they must know that's your position. Do they know that's your position? They absolutely do know that position. Um, and, you know, they play hardball. Um, but I tell you what, everything's impossible until it's not. Um, and we saw at the federal level they, uh, you know, they held out and they held out and they held out. Um, but we saw in the end $3 billion for public and community housing being put on the table because of the Greens negotiations. Um, we know that if they want to pass legislation, they need the Greens' support for it and they'd better come to the table because the the voices of renters are only going to get louder and louder and longer that the, that the government ignores renters – the worse it's going to get. They're going to have to act at some point. They'd better do it sooner rather than later because more and more people are facing housing stress and homelessness. Interestingly, the Minister for Equality, Harriet Ching, is also the Minister for Housing. Uh, how do you think that positions uh, the government for negotiation? What do you personally think uh, her approach will be? Well, look, she's that's a new that's a new appointment i don't think anyone wants the housing portfolio right now because um you know they they come under a whole lot of scrutiny uh, we've got you know housing transfers we've got requests for public housing letters sitting on her desk that have been unanswered for months and months and months. Um, it is a portfolio that is in absolute dis disarray and the priority is uh, lining the pockets of property investors and not ensuring that people have a safe and secure public home to live in. So do you think so, the government's in a weak position in terms of negotiation because they've got a newly minted minister who perhaps doesn't want to rock the boat so she doesn't have much kind of wiggle room really to negotiate? Well, it's it's yet to be seen what the dynamics are with this new, you know, with the, the Allen Labor government and how the cabinet um, shapes up. Um, but what I've seen so far is that there's a lot of defensiveness about what a what a disastrous plan this is. My colleagues in the upper house um, have grilled her every single at every single opportunity about the disastrous plan that's ahead. Um, and you know we're really hopeful that with enough pressure from uh, the Greens and from the public that they will wind back their their illogical plan to destroy public housing in the middle of a housing crisis. Because a lot of those estates, they're in green electorates. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I, I mean, I don't know what the political plan is there, but, um, you know, it's almost as though they've given up on um, on the public housing residents in that area. They don't really, they, they don't really care. Um, and we're going to show them that, you know, we will, we will fight this and we will win. And we've done it before. In, ten years ago, they tried to sell off Atherton Gardens Estate in Fitzroy um, and privatise it. And 
we came together with the community and we stopped them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you'd think, well, if they thought they could win back those seats, they wouldn't be doing this. And we all remember the backlash to Kennett's privatisation and closures. Exactly, exactly. So um, I don't... I don't know what kind of pressure they're coming under from the property industry, but it must be pretty strong. Um, you know, they tried to sell off the Clifton Hill walk-ups in 2017 and we came together and we stopped them. Um, we've done this before and this community is bloody strong and their neighbours care about them. And so I think that, you know, we've, we've, had, we've had meetings with hundreds of residents over the last few weeks. We had a rally on the Collingwood um, estate uh, just two weeks ago where hundreds of people turned up um, from the community, from the public housing community and the broader community to say that they won't stand for this kind of absurd, illogical plan to demolish public housing. So I, I do believe that um, the community will see through the government's plan and will see it for what it is and will fight against it. I think that they're going to suffer um, they're going to suffer politically from these decisions that they're making. Um, and you know and the, the struggle of public housing residents and, and private renters are completely connected and we're seeing a growing movement, a powerful movement of renters coming together to fight the government's plan. Yeah, there's a coalition that's really formed and I think it's going to bite the government on the bum. Yeah, so on Saturday, tomorrow, um, we've got the Renters and Housing Union, um, the Greens and the Socialists all coming together to, uh, you know, to, to make some noise, to say, you know, this has been the end of a terrible year for renters, but we are not going away and we are not giving up. And, uh, you know, watch out because next year we're coming back even stronger with the fight for renters' rights and this fight for public housing. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, you know, to unite the socialists and the Greens in the inner city, you must be doing something, you know, wrong as a government in order to, to get that coalition. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's <laughs> we can clearly see what, what's going on and I think we're, you know, we're pretty, um, we're pretty aligned in, in our understanding that, that renters have just been shafted and it's getting worse. I mean, how much more can renters deal with? And how much more will the government let happen? How much, how, by, how much more will they let homelessness get worse? Gabrielle DeVici, always great to see you at 3CR. Thanks so much, James. 3CR.